Hello and welcome, National fans, to the Dogcast, where we're pro Dave Jagler and Charlie Slows compared to the ESPN commentary team. I'm your host, Blake Finney, and I've now been up for 20 hours straight after watching England at 8 o'clock in the morning, and then that's huge win, and that's finished at 12.30. Joining me this week for the second time this year, I believe, is one of our contributors, Ross Schimberg. Are you uh, not no longer bouncing off the wall now? <laughs> yeah, it was definitely uh, a fun evening, well, toward the end at least, but I'm doing yeah. well. Yeah, it didn't start off particularly pretty, but... Hey, so the way uh, the way it ends, they get a win, and I think more importantly, it's going to be a turning point in the season. Is that what you think, based on the reaction? Yeah, I hope so. I saw uh, Dan Colco. He tweeted, uh, "Bryce Harper gets going, and now Murphy gets going, and those are two huge bats that the Nats really need. And if if this is their turning point game, it's the turning point for the team." Yeah, absolutely, and I think it's something I've been trying to stress a lot that this team is too good to be this bad for too long. So if those two start going, you start to get some consistency in the lineup. And then if someone goes 0 for 4, maybe Rendon has an off game, you have another couple hitters to start picking the team up. Yeah, that's the beauty of baseball. You have 162 games as opposed to football. If your quarterback has a bad month, that may cost you the season. But the Nats, their hitters can have a bad week or two, but it doesn't cost them very much. Yeah, definitely. Uh, did you have a particular player that stood out for you this series? Uh, yeah, I had to change it right after the uh, the <laughs> game. I had uh, I actually had Eric Fetty coming into this game, but I think now it's Daniel Murphy. He had two RBIs last night and then the go-ahead RBIs today. Uh, he's back on track. He looks great, and I, I think he's the most valuable player from this series for sure. Yeah, I think he's definitely been looking a lot more locked in we saw, we obviously saw a lot of the rust in the first couple games against the Yankees he started to look a bit better at the plate in the the next series but now in this series against the Phillies he's really turned it on and like we said if he can start getting hot maybe they don't start intentionally walking Soto in front of him I think that's insane I mean they they intentionally walked him to load the bases for Daniel Murphy how crazy is that it it kind of makes sense at the time. Like you can see exactly why they did it, given what Soto's done this season. But if you'd have said that a month ago, probably everyone would have been so shocked. Mm, for sure. Uh, I think I went with Anthony Rendon, even though he didn't finish the game particularly spectacularly. He did go five for thirteen with a couple home runs, three RBI, and I think he is probably the hottest hitter on the team right now. So. Do you see him staying in the three spot, especially temporarily, but maybe more towards the long term? I mean, I don't have any problems with it. There are certainly a, a litany of options, but he's gone two straight games with a homer. Uh, you may as well keep him there if he's producing. Yeah, I think I think the type of player that Rendon is, you have so much flexibility. He's someone who could easily hit second with his on-base skills. He can hit cleanup because he's got the power to do that. It kind of gives you the flexibility to do what you want and if someone in particular is hitting, if Harper starts hitting like we've started to see this series and you plug him in at three, you can put Rendon behind him or, like I said, in front of him. Yeah, for sure. And Matt Adams coming back once Adam Eaton gets his feet under him. I mean, there are an infinite amount of lineup combinations. I'm surprised it's taken us this long to mention Bryce Harper, but all in all, we did have a, a good series. He was getting on base. He went four for 11 in the end and the 
three doubles tonight and you saw him fired up on second base when um he hit the double to set up the uh set up the dramatic uh scenes in the eighth inning i'm losing my words just because uh because of all the excitement but what did you see from bryce harper this series we saw him i mean i i don't want to say come back to earth but in a positive way i mean you and i are on the hill of bryce harper is going to not stink for the rest of the season i mean his stats were not great for in june they're they're not really good for i think the end of may as well but i mean the numbers are going to come back to his career averages and he was getting unlucky with his babip as well and we saw some balls uh getting the gap today and it resulted in those three doubles yeah i think one thing that's particularly helped him is he's been getting into good counts he hit the hit the double in the eighth inning off a full count after i think he was one and two down he hit one of the doubles on a 2-0 count and his eye is definitely there he's not chasing pitches early on trying to make something happen he's getting into good counts for him and that gives him the opportunity to drive the ball when hitters have to come at him with the fastball yeah, definitely. It's certainly a great sign. Uh, do you think the offense has picked up in this series? Do you see that continuing? Obviously, the theme of the se season so far has been the offense being so inconsistent that they can score six or seven runs one game and then the next game get shut out by Derek Holland. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I guess the momentum goes as far as the uh, next, next day's pitcher, but... Um... If they can carry this momentum into the race series, they have some vulnerable pitchers, uh, especially on uh, Wednesday or no Tuesday's game, which we'll get into in a little bit. But I think it's it's certainly a good sign. Yeah, I think that the hitters need to step up, and if they can do that, um, it can temporarily mask over the problems that the rotation has had. We saw Jeffrey Rodriguez get a little beat up today. Tanner Roark got beat up on Friday. You mentioned Eric Fetty as one of your players of the series, and obviously he pitched well, but he did give up eight hits. I think he was slightly unfortunate in that regard. There were so many seeing-eye ground balls that just seemed to find the tiniest of holes. Um, is the rotation a problem? Can you see them adding a starter? Uh, well, I did write down in my notes that I am a little bit worried about Roark. His strikeout percentage is down, and Roark's always been a better pitcher when his strikeouts are up. He's not really a pitcher that got placed to contact terribly well and he's been a lot worse with runners on and in scoring position but i mean with like jeffrey rodriguez or eric fetty i'm not too concerned because i don't see them as starters for the rest of the season i think i could um i think jeffrey rodriguez is going to be down pretty much um helixon had his rehab start on sunday and he, I think he gave up 11 earned runs. It was something yep. hideous. Yep. So I'm not, I'm not too worried. I think they're just about as meaningless as spring training stats. It's about getting, getting him healthy. Maybe if they just wanted him to try locating a fastball. Maybe he did actually face some hitters the third time through for once. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's what happened. To him. <laughs> he was allowed. He threw 85 pitches, I think, is what the peanuts said. Mm -hmm. and yeah, that would definitely mean he went at least three. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I was um, quite high on Rodriguez. I thought if he mixed in that change-up, which um, I think Byron Kerr of Massa mentioned that he wanted to, that he threw two all night, both in the first inning, both the ball. So I don't know. It was it was strange because 
especially against major league hitters, you're going to have to do it at some point. And the Phillies are one of the worst teams hitting change-ups. So I don't know if that's something he wants to work on in the minors. I mean, yeah, I have to. I, I don't see a spot on the team going forward. No, I think at the very least he could play into a valuable bullpen arm with a high 90s fastball and a devastating curveball, even if he doesn't pick up a third pitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, there's not a lot <laughs> a lot more to say other than hopefully that is a turning point in the series, in the season even. And they've got the two games against the Rays that we're going to look ahead to now. So in their last series against the Yankees, they actually managed to sweep. So even if the Nats have been swept by the Phillies, it's not the end of the world. The Yankees aren't aren't going anywhere in that scenario. Uh, But the bullpen game seemed to flummox the Yankees to the tune of five hits and one run on Friday. And then Wilma Font, who the Nats actually saw pitch for the Dodgers, seemed to dominate the Yankees on Saturday. And then Jake Bauer hit a walk-off home run in the 12th inning on Sunday afternoon for the sweep. Uh, what did you make of the Rays sweeping the Yankees? I mean, I think the Rays are, I mean, they're one of the surprise teams in the American League along with the Detroit Tigers. They're hovering around 500, maybe a little bit above. But with the Indians being so bad, they're still in the divisional hunt in the AL Central. But uh, a sustainability is still, um, and consistency is the question with those two teams. And as we get into the summer months, we'll see if they are legit. Yeah, I think they're 37 and 40. So I think their division probably plays out of their hands as well with the Red Sox and Yankees running away with that. They Are they going to be able to catch the Astros or Mariners, whoever finishes second in that division? So even if they are lurking around 500, they're probably wise to sell. And I know there's quite a lot of Nats fans who are advocating for the Buffalo Wilson Ramos to come back. <laughs> Is that a move you'd, you'd be for? I'm all for Wilson Ramos coming back. I mean, we know what he can do. And uh, it was 2016 was his breakout year, if I'm remembering correctly. I mean, he's yeah. certainly a fan favorite. Um, just I'm not sure what the Rays' asking price is, but I'm certain Mike Rizzo is going to do his due diligence there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Wilson Ramos would probably be my favorite trade target out of the catchers. Not because he's the best catcher. You have Real Muto. Salvador Perez has even been thrown around lately, and those two are clearly on another level compared to Ramos. But with the cost of it for a year rental where they can pick him up, potentially fill the hole more permanently in the offseason and re-evaluate the position. I know uh, Matt Wheaters is out of contract, so you can start to build around it then. Um, But yeah, Wilson Ramos would obviously fill the hole big time. And you need someone who's going to be more than just an automatic out that Severino has been. Yeah, he has not played well over the last couple, even in this series. He hit into the double play. Is that Severino? Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. Um, yeah, I'd love Wilson Ramos to come back. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think Severino still profiles well as a backup catcher, given his elite defense. And I don't think he's going to be hitting 180 for his career, but if he can hit, say, 220 with that elite defense, then he's definitely an asset to have as a backup catcher. Yeah, it's better than uh, Jose Lobaton, at least, with the battle. But that's not saying <laughs> very much. No. Um, are there any players that you're particularly excited to see the Rays throw out? Uh, Blake Snell. I mean, he's the starter for game one. He's a, a electric. Is that a good word for Blake Snell? A lefty, high strikeout rate. Uh, yeah. Very fun to watch. Uh, but yeah, he's got a great first name. 
if I do say so <laughs> myself. Uh, but yeah, he's got a 248 ERA. We see him go up against Max Scherzer, and that's a low key, great pitching matchup on the Monday. It's a, I thought it was Geo on Monday. No, I think it's uh, I think it's Max. If I'm not mistaken, he says go in the ESPN. I thought Max was on. I have Max going on Tuesday. Oh, so it is. Um, never mind. I'll just flip that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, that's going to be a tough one then for Geo to come out on top of Blake Snow. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think for me, I'm particularly excited to see some of their young hitters. We've got Willie Adamez, their number one prospect, who's hitting 250 since his second promotion with a couple home runs. And then Jake Bowers, who I mentioned in the intro to the series, who hit the walk-off home run in the 12th inning on Sunday. So they're definitely going to be interesting and perhaps they're going to go through this pseudo rebuild with some of these young guys. Yeah, I'll give you another young guy, 24-year-old Daniel Robertson. I highlighted him because he is a monster against left-handed pitching. Uh, 386 weighted on base average, 151 uh, weighted runs created plus. He has more walks than strikeouts, and uh, he's just been a monster. He's hit in actually every single position in the lineup, which I thought was interesting. But uh, So I don't know where he'll be tomorrow, or I guess today, technically. But uh, he was an, he's another guy to keep an eye on. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, they, they do have that young... They've got young pitching stuff as well now. So maybe they're not all that far away. And if they stop pitching relievers to start games, that's still really, really weird. Thankfully, we're not going to see that this series. They've mm-hmm. they've actually selected two starters to start the two games. So what do you make of this reliever thing? I like it. I think it's interesting. I mean, it gives them an advantage. I think they started it when they were playing against the Angels and they had uh, Sergio Romo. He started the game to face, uh, it was like Kinsler, Trout, and Upton as their right-handers because they didn't want their lefty to face Trout and Upton. I think it's a smart strategy, and teams will have to adapt. Yeah, I think the the Mets, oh no, the Mets didn't, they just went for a bullpen game when Jerry Blevins blew up, and that was a, a whole different thing. But it's kind of worked for them. Ryan Yarbrough, who's been one of their main guys to come out of the bullpen and eat the most innings i try not to say start the game there <laughs> no no one can see if i do inverted commas uh but yeah he's actually had quite a bit of success i think he's got around a three ra he actually did quite well against the nets in that role it was just that johnny venters blew up in the first inning that kind of blew that game and i think that's the downside of it you are going to have games where you're just not in it because you dig yourself such a hole early on yeah for sure uh, who are you looking out from the Nats perspective? Anyone that you want to see continue uh, their hot series against the Phillies? Uh, I guess Daniel Murphy and Harper. We can see if they can hit lefties. I mean, Harper had a uh, he had hit against he had a double against a lefty tonight or yesterday, technically. <laughs> but um, yeah, if they can keep it going against a really tough lefty, this post midnight podcast is very very weird. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I want to see what Spencer Keyboom's going to do. Are they going to start him against Blake Snell, maybe? They could. Um, I, I would guess they'll start him in one or the other, given that it's 7 o'clock on Monday and then 12 o'clock on Tuesday, which is all kinds of wrong for MLB scheduling reasons. But he's actually been hitting quite well lately. He's hitting 333 over the last 15 days and probably does deserve a little more playing time with Matt Wheaters 
still a fair way away. Have you seen improvement with Kibun's back? Well, Kibun was one of the guys on my shortlist for MVP of the Phillies series. And like you mentioned, with Severino's struggles, it's worth giving him a shot. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think the other one I want to key in on is, again, my player of the series, Rendon. Can he hit Blake Snell? And again, see where he is in that lineup. Hopefully they hit him third. Keep keep a good thing going, especially after the big win on Sunday. Yeah, and Blake Snell, if he has a weakness, it's definitely against right-handed bats. He gives up a 416 FIP against righties compared to a 196 FIP against lefties. So uh, definitely positive splits for Rendon in that matchup. Mm. So now we're going to look ahead to each of the matchups individually. So first up, we got now amended Gio Gonzalez against Blake Snell on Monday at 7.05 Eastern. Gio Gonzalez, 6-4 with a 3.08 ERA. Blake Snell, 9-4 with a 2.48 ERA. Getting nine wins with the Rays seems impressive. Uh, but like you said, left-handed batters are hitting 130 against Blake Snell. Do you see Michael A. Taylor starting? And if you do, who do you think hits the bench? That's a good question. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they give Juan Soto a day off. It wouldn't surprise me. They surely they have to at some point. You can't just trot him out fifty games in a row. Yeah, and I just mentioned Snell's uh, elite against lefties. It would make sense to give Soto a day off, and he's kind of seemed very frustrated at the end of the game today. Maybe mm-hmm. just give him a breather and get him against the righty on Tuesday. Yeah. I could definitely see that. And I think Eaton deserves to play. He's been the odd man out the last few days, which has been a bit strange. I mean, yeah. Is he, is his knee or his leg acting up again? Was... I don't think so. I think it's just purely um, they have to get Taylor at bats because Taylor's so hot right now. Yeah, good point. Um, but yeah, with, with Gio, he's not been doing great lately. He's... Uh, I think he's given up a few home runs, which was kind of the one knock on him to start the season. He was allowing a lot of base runners and getting out of it. And now, as the summer months move on, he's probably allowing more home runs. Is, it, is this a trend that you can see moving forward, or do you think he's going to go back to the geo that we saw earlier in the season? I think it's more likely he goes back to what we've seen from him in the past. I mean, he's shown an ability to get out of trouble, and I think it's more likely than not he, he gets back to it. Maybe not the elite level we saw from last season, but somewhere close to it. I think he likes pitching in Florida as well, mainly against the Marlins, but potentially will against the Rays. Uh, do you have a prediction for how this one's going to go? I think it'll be a one-run game either way. I'll give the edge to Tampa Bay because they have the better pitcher, in my opinion, in the matchup. So I'll say Rays 4-3. to three. Yeah, I initially, obviously with the pitching matchups the wrong way around of my notes, I had... <laughs> <laughs> had the Nats taking both. But yeah, with Gio against Snell, I think Snell is going to come out on top. Like I said, really excited to see him. And then there's the power in the first name. <laughs> uh, obviously, second up, we've got Max Scherzer against Nathan Evaldi on Tuesday at 12.05 p.m. Uh, Max Scherzer, 10-3 with a 2.09 ERA. Nathan Evaldi, 1-3 with a 4.91 ERA. And obviously, the Nats absolutely wrecked Nathan Eovaldi in the first, I think it was his second start of the season. Five innings, four hits, four runs, one walk and four strikeouts. Uh, do you think Eovaldi stands a chance in this one? No, I think the Nats are hopefully going to get to him. and uh, it's He's facing Max again, as they did on June 5th, as you mentioned, but he is 
he's been really bad this season. Six six point four strikeouts per nine, uh, two and a half homers per nine innings, uh, five fifty two FIP. Uh, they're just ugly numbers. Yeah, I think it's it's a weird one. He he has the potential to do well. I think in his first start of the season, he was. I think he no hit someone over six innings, if I remember right. Yeah, I think that is right. I mean, he showed a lot of potential with the Yankees a couple of years ago. He had a, was it, he's like an upper 90s fastball, if I recall. Um, yeah, he definitely showed potential with the Yankees, but uh, all that is gone when he moved to Tampa Bay. <laughs> uh, if there is a ray of hope for the Rays, see what I did there. Uh, Max has given up two runs in four straight games and allowed four homers in that time. Hopefully that's not going to continue, but I guess Max Scherzer is human after all. Yeah, I guess uh, he has to come back down to earth, but if he's still posting his double-digit strikeout games, uh, can't be too mad. <laughs> yeah, um, I think you've got to go with Max Scherzer. I don't know if it's no hit or watch. I think the, the Rays do have enough with the bat to at least put up a fight and see what they can do, but I think the pitching matchup swings in the Nats' favor. Yeah, certainly. I'll definitely take the Nats. Uh, we've managed to rattle through, <laughs> rattle through that quite quickly. I think that's the effects of the time, so we're probably going to mm-hmm. cut, cut the podcast <laughs> short tonight <laughs> after about half an hour. Uh, we did have one listener question I'm also going to check, but uh, he says, where were you when the Nats season unexpectedly end- ended on June 24th? Where was I? I think I was, uh, I was watching that game. I went and then I went to the basement to, uh, to a sulk, I'll say. And you were, you were writing your famous one word article probably. Oh yes. Definitely. <laughs> oh, we did. We did have another one that I've just checked. Question. How do I peel myself off the scene? <laughs> I don't know. I'm still trying. <laughs> I do not have a response. <laughs> <laughs> The glorious world of the district on deck mentions. Yes. Oh man, I've only had a, I've only had a uh, two games of uh, district on deck mention experience, but <laughs> I'm sure it's, one of them was the Wilmer Defoe walk off uh, back in May. I want to say uh, that was yeah. fun, definitely. Um, I don't remember the other one, but yeah, you had the Dodgers game, and I think they lost. Uh, it may have been. I forgot <laughs> at this point. Uh, so yeah, unfortunately, we're going to cut it short. I need my sleep. Uh, <laughs> so I want to say thanks to Ross for joining me. Uh, and where can our listeners find you? Uh, you can find my work at District on Deck. And you can follow me on Twitter at Ross Schinberg. Yep. Remember to check out some of our content on site this week. Uh, Monty had a look between Harper's numbers and comparing them to Soto's numbers this year in his rookie year. And it's quite surprising how similar they are it's kind of more of a difference in playing style and then i also looked at carter keyboom's great year now that he's been promoted to the harrisburg senators in double a then he could potentially be a trade chip moving forward so we'll see how that plays out remember to follow us on twitter at district on deck give us a like on facebook district on district on deck remember to subscribe to us on spreaker itunes and google play and you can get episodes automatically downloaded for you We'll be back during the week as the Nats once again face the Phillies, this time in Philadelphia, as they aim to fall not too far behind in the National League East and hopefully have another big walk-off, well, not walk-off, have a big late win. So we'll see you then.